Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour. This is a show where we try and make sense of the world of personal finance and business and hopefully help you make better financial decisions. My name's Ruben Zelwa. I'm financial planner and owner at Adapt Wealth Management. We're a boutique financial planning firm that work with business owners, professionals and those planning for retirement. I've been doing this podcast for a while, since about February last year. So there are around 38 of them available online. Uh, you can search the Finance Hour on iTunes or go to my website, adaptwealth.com.au. If you do go to the iTunes uh, page, please leave us a review. It's just going to mean that we can uh, speak to more people or we, more people will listen to us. So uh, the topic of this week's show is keeping on mo- keep on moving, how to stay active in a sedentary workplace. My guest today is Jonathan Bell. He's a physiotherapist with over 20 years experience and is a partner at, a Nar- at the Nary Warren Physiotherapy Sports and Injury Group. His advice today is going to be how to stay fit and active, particularly in the workplace. We're also going to have a good chat about Jonathan's journey as well to where he has got to today. But before we do that, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant this week is about the Optus streaming app for the World Cup. Everyone is super excited about the World Cup. And when I switched it on the first time and I saw there was a game on SBS, I was happy. That's where the shows usually are on. But then I was very distressed to find out there's only one or two uh, games a day. I think that's a disgrace. I don't know what's happening to free-to-air television. But the only way to really watch more games is to uh, use an Optus app, which luckily enough my son has. Uh, but the Optus app, the streaming, has been extremely poor. When I was watching it with my son and the ball was going across the ground, it was flickering. And then apparently there were even games where, where it dropped out altogether. So Optus, get your show, get your act together. Uh, the telcos have a hard enough time in the public and you're just making it worse. So hopefully that'll be fixed up for the rest of the World Cup. Okay, we're just going to take a very short break and then I'll be back with Jonathan Bell. The topic of this week's show is Keep On Moving, How to Stay Active in a Sedentary Workplace. Today with me, I've got Jonathan Bell, who is a director of a physiotherapist and director of Nary Warren Physiotherapy Sports and Injury Group. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, this important health and fitness topic, but also we're going to learn about his journey. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ruben. Great to have you. Now, Jonathan, I, uh, I looked up on your website and the Nary Warren Physiotherapy uh, motto is heal, move, strengthen and perform. Uh, can you maybe just expand on how you got to a motto like that? Yeah, sure. Um, we spent a lot of time trying to work out what kind of message we wanted to give to people regarding health and fitness and well-being. And we, we played with a number of things, but we thought those four words really encapsulate everything we do and everything we want people to do in, in, in quite a simple way. So just to, to, to elaborate, um, when someone comes to us with an injury, the first thing we're looking at is how do we help them heal the injury as quickly as possible. Once the healing process is on its way, the next step is to get them moving as well as they can. And combined with getting them to move as well as they can, unless we work on getting them as strong as possible, 
we usually find that these kind of injuries tend to come back or they tend to have exacerbations of the injury. So we feel that moving from healing to moving well to being, str being stronger is really your best journey in order to be able to perform whatever it is you want, whether that's just walking around the park with your partner to performing elite sport. All right, terrific. Well, we'll talk a, a little more about the uh, the clinic itself a bit later. Uh, one of the things that I usually start with the guests is uh, what they sort of studied in university, and often when I do, they'll be doing they'll be doing something totally different to what they studied. But I'm guessing, being a physiotherapist, I'm guessing you actually did study that at uni. It's it, <laughs> it's a funny question because uh, I've had that discussion with other people, and yeah, my my career path's been reasonably boring. In that <laughs> I went to uni, studied to be a physio, and became a physio. Um, but my my background of where I ended up with becoming a physio was when I was younger I used to be an elite gymnast and so I've always been interested in how the body moves and just how amazing the body it is and how how incredible it is for it to be able to do certain things you know with, with, with lots of some things that some people can do some things that other yeah. people can't do yeah yeah and probably we take a lot of what we can do for granted and do you think also just on that do you think we underestimate what our bodies are capable of as well i think absolutely and i think you know back to what you were saying about keeping moving i think more and more we hear people say as you're getting older oh you need to take it easy don't do too much and mm. you know we strongly feel it's really the opposite we yeah. we feel that the, the the older you get you need to make more of an effort to stay moving yeah yeah but you probably need to make adjustments as to what you can and can't do it seems to me that our older people and actually my dad's going through at the moment can get severe joint issues i don't know is that really is that something that you you cover off in physio, real sort of joint issues, cartilage or all that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. But but again, back, back to sort of with our motto, we there are certainly degenerative changes that happen with age, but it we feel it still comes back to the stronger you are, the better you deal with those issues. So you're 100% right in that you need to perhaps change the way you do things and you can't necessarily do things the way you used to do when you were younger, but to... To say I can't do it how I used to do it, so I won't do it at all, is not a probably a great answer either. Yeah. So I guess the I'm guessing the type of work you do uh, might split into two categories. This is just a guess: injuries that might happen in the workplace, and injuries that happen in the sports field, or just out of general activity. Is that is that a fair comment? Are there any other sort of areas that it falls into? Yeah. So we we see injuries that are work related or motor vehicle related mm -hmm. um, we see other sporting injuries we see other recreational type injuries things that happen i guess around the house um, yeah. we also see a fair amount of rehabilitation in terms of post-surgical rehabilitation yeah yeah um, which we, we find is quite interesting and again it fits into that that pathway of heal move strengthen and then perform right so let's just uh, talk about a little bit about injuries in the workplace. Now, uh, is that typically, you know, people in the blue collar industries? I mean, do people in in white collar and office jobs tend to have injuries in the workplace? Like, you know, I don't know, lifting up their accounting manual or something like that. <laughs> Depends how heavy the accounting. Is. Um, I, I think we see different types of injuries. I think that um, in in more blue collar type injuries, you might see more more heavy lifting or more injuries resulting from manual handling. But yeah. I think that sedentary jobs are not immune. And I think that 
the there's probably a happy balance between doing too much and doing not enough. Yeah. So let's just talk about the the sedentary job because I'm guessing most of our listeners will be into that category. Uh, we've probably got some in all categories, but if we assume a lot is in that, you know, a couple of things that you sort of noticed now in the workplace is first of all those sort of sit stand desks. Uh, what do you think of that? People say you know sitting is the new smoking. Do you do you really buy into that, or is it just a gimmick? No, I think that there's a lot of truth in that, and I think that there was a study that came out last year that found that there's quite a close relationship between the amount of time spent sitting during the day and early death. And yeah. the the incredible thing about the study was they found that it wasn't changed in any way by the amount of exercise you do. Really? So really it comes down to it's it's not good enough, it appears, to sit for eight hours a day and then go to the gym for an hour, that doesn't seem to have the same health benefits as getting up every 60 to 90 minutes mm. to change your position. So mm. I think that the, the sit-stand sit desk do it well. It's not for everyone, mm. um, but I think it's a, it's, it's a step in the right direction and it's certainly something that is worth considering. And is it, uh, but does it also depend on what your posture is when you're standing? I mean, may, you know, maybe some people when they stand, they stand hunched over just like they don't sit well. Yeah, I, I think to some extent, but I think that the overriding benefit of standing still or stand, changing your position mm. still outweighs whether your position or whether your posture is good or bad. Right. So it's actually a, a part of it is just, just the fact that you're changing, even moving from sitting Correct. to standing. Correct. Like I think that, you know, we while previously we probably nagged people to sit up straight, have good mm. posture, I think more and more we know plenty of people slouch and don't have problems mm. so i don't know that it's fair to say don't ever slouch i think the body is stronger than we give it credit for mm. i think the more correct thing is don't slouch for eight hours a day right right and also you see uh i mean in some workplaces as well they've they all they have standing meetings that's become more popular i think it's partly also because it keeps the meeting shorter because people don't want to sit as long <laughs> there could be some <laughs> truth in that and i think in some they've even got uh sort of walking uh, meetings as yeah, well. Yeah, but, like, but I think there's, the, I think you have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because sometimes, like you said, there's unintended consequences of make going of saying sitting's bad, therefore we'll stand all the time. Mm. I think that it's really a matter of changing position and and movement, mm. which is probably the key the key takeout message of yeah. staying fit and healthy. And the other thing which people always talk about. You know, if you go to the gym and, you know, they'll say, oh, you're tight or whatever. And they'll say, oh, you must be sitting over a computer all day. You must be hunching over a keyboard. Is that something that, that is, is that just something that people say or is it a real issue? Well, we, we see probably since the advent of laptops, we see a lot of neck and shoulder pain mm. and we see a lot of headaches and mm. upper limb problems from that idea but again, more and more, I don't know if it's necessarily people not being in the perfect posture because it's questionable as to whether we even know what the perfect posture is. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more that they're staying in a posture for too yeah. long. Yeah, and and uh, laptops are definitely worse than because you've really got to hunch over. Correct. I think that, over a laptop. Well, I think if you're using that as your main computer, what some people will do mm. is they will have a separate screen, which I yeah. think is a good option. Yeah, um, that's what I do. Yeah, I think yeah. that that's not a bad... I, I think, again, I don't think there are right and wrong answers. I think yeah. that there are better and worse answers. And what about those, you know, those ergonomic keyboards and mouses that, you know, that, that, that you know, carve to your posture and to your hand? Like, are they, 
are they any good? Look, some of them are good. I think some of them are gimmicks. I think it really comes down to what's comfortable and yeah. what's not. And I think that if you feel uncoordinated using it, then it's <laughs> it probably requires more strain and more load on your neck and your shoulder. Yeah. So the one not. that I find very good is the mouse pad with a support on the wrist. Yeah, so that, I actually find that one very, very useful. Like I used to have sort of wrist pain, and and that solved that issue. I think that's good. I think the other one that I quite like that I've seen recently is a trackpad. I think I've seen an Apple one, and I'm sure there are other brands of it, where you just you have a pad next to your keyboard. You move your finger on it. You can double click the pad, or you can single click the pad, or you can. Yeah. And and I think that that also allows you to rest your hand on the desk. So yeah. again, it's. It's, it's less muscle activity, which means less fatigue, which usually means less pain. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else, any other, you know, sort of issues with white-collar workers that you, you see or any other tips that you have for people, uh, you know, working in that sort of office environment? Well, I, th- I think the big one we see is when they go to the office Christmas party and um, <laughs> run around and tear a calf muscle. <laughs> <laughs> or get drunk or perhaps <laughs> we said run you mean if they're doing like some kind I of think, activity well, un- yeah, is that, yeah, unaccustomed do actually, activity do you actually see that do you actually see people coming in after Christmas parties is well that, the, is- the, the best one I've ever seen was when um, Nintendo brought out the Wii and I think within four hours of it coming out in the shops we had a patient with a shoulder injury from playing tennis on the Wii <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny okay so look obviously um we talked about injuries in the workplace. That's something that you've done quite a bit. I understand you won an award, a WorkSafe Award in 2013. Can you tell me uh, a little bit about uh, what what particular work that was for and how that came about? So the award was looking at, um, it was open to anyone that is involved with injured workers and you had to be nominated for it. But it looked at um, who, I guess it was in recognition of giving good service to injured workers and um, being involved in that system and the, the workers' compensation system. Um, the, the reason I think we do a good job of that is because we try to look at those injured workers in the same way we look at injured athletes. Mm-hmm. I think for too long, people, workers' compensation, for example, gets a bad name because people are on compensation and not working. Mm. Whereas no one would dream of having an athlete and tell them, oh, you've hurt yourself, take three months off yeah, sport, yeah. unless there was a good reason. Yeah. So we really try to emphasise an appropriate early return to work. And with the management of these workers, we don't treat them any differently to we do our athletes. Um, the other thing that in the workers' comp system that we feel works quite well, and this probably goes to what we think we do well in our clinic, is the system breaks down if people don't communicate. Mm. So we make a very big effort to communicate with all the stakeholders involved in the mm. system. Mm. And once the patient is involved, the doctor's involved, the workplace is involved, the insurance company's involved, it becomes a much less adversarial situation Mm. and it seems to go well compared to people saying, well, it wasn't really my fault I got injured, so Mm. I'm not going to... I'm not going to do my bid. Yeah, we sort of feel the more everyone participates in good faith, in good faith. Sorry, um, everything seems to go quite well. But do you ever have issues that people come in and want to exacerbate their injury to maximise their insurance payout? I think we do, but I think the days of a massive payout are long gone. Yeah, um, and I think that the way we manage our injured workers with regards to their rehabilitation 
because it's quite an active process, I think it generally becomes quite obvious if they're not participating mm, fully mm. in the rehabilitation. Yeah. Well, something connected to that, which is uh, something that I'm interested in, is uh, you know personal insurance, so income protection insurance, disability insurance, and the like. Because obviously, when we're underwriting people, when they're ap- applying, you, know, you go through the list of questions, and the two most common health issues are mental health. They might have seen a GP or a doctor and had some. De- um, you know, antidepressants. The other one is they've been to a physio. They've been to a physio that had a bad neck or a bad back um, and it always comes up. Do you get a lot of requests for for reports for um, from insurance companies for people that are applying for insurance? We don't get a lot, but I have had a few and I remember one in particular where a patient had a back injury but had rehabilitated themselves quite fully, had really Mm. dedicated themselves to it, and they were concerned about this. Mm. And I, in that situation, I had no problem. I I said to them, I'm very happy to, to put it in writing that, yes, you've had an injury, Yes, you've rehabilitated mm. it and you're every bit as strong as you were before, mm. if not better. Yep. Um, and I would consider in that situation that their risk of injury mm. was probably less than it was mm. prior to going through their rehab process. Interesting. Do you know what the outcome was? I think they got Clark? their insurance. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there was an exclusion. Or yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. I think there'd be very few... Uh, um, physio or doctors that would actually really be trying to fight for the client in that situation. Yeah, I think I a, mean, lot of, a lot of the time they'd just do the report and, and move on. Yeah, and I think the, the other one I've, ha- I've actually got at the moment is a guy who has an income protection claim mm. and is quite close to being able to go back, but we've been talking quite closely with the insurer um, in terms of where he's at with his rehabilitation mm. to try to really make it as smooth as possible. And, and I agree with you. I think that... <laughs> You can see the situation where the physio or the doctor would say, oh, it's a bit hard, I can't really mm, be bothered. Mm. But th- the outcome is much worse for the patient if you don't communicate. Mm. So uh, in most of those cases, or in that case, for example, was it a, a workplace-type injury? The or- the one that I've got at the moment was not a workplace injury, and he... His his injury was difficult to pin down, but he continued working for a long time mm. and struggled, and then in the end was unable to do. It was quite a physical job, um, and then had some physio, had some rehab, then got to a point with the rehab and ended up having surgery on his shoulder, mm. and is now pretty much ready to go back. He's not quite strong enough because yeah. it's a physical job, but he's pretty close and. It's probably in the next sort of six or eight weeks he's likely yep. to go back to his previous job. Are there any uh, amusing injuries that you can tell us about, <laughs> either on the sporting field or in the workplace? You don't have to mention any names. No, that's fine. And I knew this would come up. And I was... <laughs> there, there are a number of interesting ones. Probably the going back to the Christmas, the funniest one I think I've seen was um, a father who injured himself falling off the skateboard that the child had got for Christmas uh, yeah. while showing them how to how to do cool tricks on the skateboard. Yeah, that could easily happen. I've had a go at my kids' skateboards yeah. before as well. It was it was it was really funny and the yeah, the children got a lot of a lot of fun out of teasing him over that. <laughs> what it what uh, what was the injury? He he actually ended up tearing his calf, which is a really? bit of an old man injury. Yeah. Why do they say that? Why is tearing calf an old man injury? It just seems that it's not the younger people that do it. It seems like it's that 
35, 40 plus yeah. age group. And I think usually as you get older, the, the water content of your muscles decreases a bit. Mm. So things become a bit more brittle. Mm. And perhaps at that point, you still think you can sprint like you used to. Mm. And, and in fact, I, another funny calf injury was I had, a again, a father who walked with his daughter to the bottom of the driveway, taking out the rubbish bin. And then she said, I'll race you back. Really? And yeah, he, he tore, tore his calf. calf. It's actually interesting those uh, those soft tissue injuries, particularly being a football fan, and you see, you know, Collingwood is my team. You know, you think, oh, they're getting soft tissue injuries all the time. Why is it that something like a hamstring, Paul, it seems to happen so commonly to you know professional type athletes, and it doesn't happen to to other people so much? Well, I, is it because I think they're putting so much strain no, on I, it. I think it does, and I think it's you're very aware of it because you know, contrary to popular belief it's not acceptable just to rest it and then three weeks later you'll go back to play and expect to be all right. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of research out now that much earlier than we thought we can start rehabilitating these injuries with exercises that you would previously have thought, oh, that's a bit, that's a mm. bit strong, we shouldn't mm. do that. But we tend to do it earlier with much better results. Mm. Um, I think we see it with the, I think we see it with the elite guys because the ones that don't rehabilitate them to the fullest extent are the ones that re-injure mm, and mm, become recurrent. And mm. I think that with hamstrings, depending on where in the hamstring the injury is, um, usually dictates how long it's going to take to recover. So do you ever think, do you look at a, 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 I don't know, is this something that you might look at a football club and think, geez, they've got so many soft tissue injuries, they must be doing something wrong? Or is that just us being pessimistic about our own club? <laughs> I, I think that there is, some of it is just bad luck. Yeah. I think some of it is um, to do with where the focus of their strength and conditioning is mm. going. Um, I know that when I went to university, my honours lecturer, honours supervisor was Jeff Boyle, who's the Fremantle Dockers physio. Yeah. And they, I remember, they had an enormous problem with groin injuries. And the following year, they had one. And what Jeff was saying, the problem was they had guys that could clean and jerk 150 kilos mm. but couldn't balance on one leg mm. so they changed their whole focus of what they were doing in the gym to more functional more more strength mm. and control rather mm. than outright strength yeah and it made a big difference because i think football as you know it's not linear it mm. it really it involves lots of change of directions you need good strength but good control good agility mm. or i think that you know when you're pushing things to the limit they yeah. break yeah Okay, well, look, I want to just uh, change tack a little bit now and talk a little bit more about the uh, the business of physiotherapy or what it uh, means to you know run a clinic. Because obviously, you you know you started, uh, I imagine, as an employee or a contractor, and you you moved into um, you know into becoming a partner. So just tell us a little bit about uh, the, so the the practice that you're a partner of now. Just tell us a little bit about how you got into it. Uh, and you know the number of partners you've got and just how it works. Well, I sort of fell into this clinic and it's, it was been a very good fall. Mm. Um, I moved to Melbourne in 2006 and did a master's in musculoskeletal physio. And um, during the middle, year, middle of the year, I was looking for some work and another one of the partners was doing the, the master's with me and suggested I might like to come and do a locum for them. So I started working there in the middle of 2006. And then at the end of the year, I, qu I quite liked it. And at the end of the year, I spoke to them to see whether they had a full-time job. And they, luckily enough, they did. And I yep. started working there. Oh, excellent. 
Okay, and so then how long were you working there before you sort of became a, a partner? Like how long did that process take? So I think that that took probably a year and a half to two years because I think I said to them from the outset that I'd already been involved in quite a, an, a large clinic in Perth, where I'm from, yeah. um, and had been involved with building the clinic, mm. but it wasn't right for me to buy in or become yeah. a partner yeah. because I moved. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't interested in building a clinic without the prospect of yeah. becoming part of the business. Yeah. And how many uh, partners are in this so there are now four. Yeah. Um, and so we have two clinics and there are four partners. Yeah. At different stages, there have been three. So when I bought in, there were three. Mm-hmm. And then there became four once I bought in. Yeah. And then probably five years ago, we bought the older partner out. Mm-hmm. And then we've recently sold to a new partner who's come on as an equal share as well. Right. So how does the structure work then? Obviously, each person, each partner, I imagine, is actually practicing. There's no one who's like a Correct. silent I think of, No, I think no. in physio, there's not enough room to have silent partners. Yeah. I think that we feel that our clinic very much rises and falls on our name and mm. and and our skills as practitioners. Yeah. Um, so all the partners carry a full caseload. Yeah. And then we have more junior physios that we mentor yeah. and that we try to build up. But yeah, very much so the four partners all work full time. Yeah. Okay. So then you got four and then how many other physios would you... Employ? Do you actually employ them or are they yeah. contractors? No, or? We, we employ them. Yeah. Um, so there are another four physiotherapists at our main room. So mm. that means there are seven physiotherapists at the main rooms. Yeah. And there are another two at our satellite centre. Yeah. So there are three physiotherapists at the satellite centre. Yeah. And then we have three massage therapists as well that... Um, they all do part-time at the main yeah. rooms. Yeah, so obviously you've got to spend a bit of time mentoring other staff. I mean, one of the uh, one of the bigger challenges when people move into businesses, and it's the same in you know professional any kind of professional service, is you go from being the practitioner yourself to actually needing to mentor other people, and and, and it is a bit of a shift uh, in terms of the way you think. You know, you, people may be very very competent at what they do, but are they competent at mentoring the next generation. How did you find that shift? We found it surprisingly easy, but it's taken us a while to get to a stage where we think we have a good mentoring product, for want of a better mm. word. So throughout Physio, we, we've often had students and we've we've all been students who've been mentored by others. So that, that ethos, I guess, is pretty instilled in us mm. right the way through uni. Um, we've for a long time we've given staff money towards continuing education Mm -hmm. on the proviso that they come back to the clinic and Mm -hmm. give over some sort of continuing ed to the rest of the clinic and Mm -hmm. that works well Um, but I guess with the advent of podcasts there's a few particularly good physiotherapy podcasts where we've used the podcast in such a way as everyone listens to the podcast Mm. everyone answers questions related Mm. to the podcast which then leads to an in-service, which then leads to a prac session. Mm. So the structure of it has been very nice in that from one podcast, it can really lead to three or four in-services that all follow on mm. from one another. Mm. Um, and and then we have, the, I guess, the advantage of then everyone gets to see how everyone else manages certain situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's reasonable, um, reasonably homogenous 
way of it, uh, approaching yeah. problems throughout well, the clinic. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was that was going to be my next question, which is how do you ensure consistency? And if you have that motto that you've said at the beginning, how do you make sure that you actually really live and breathe that, as opposed to it just being something on the website? Correct. Yeah, and, and I think that if it's something on the website, you get found out pretty quickly. Mm. So I think that the, the answer to your question is, is mm. that's right. It's through the in-service. So we run um, an in-house in-service like that once a week. Yeah, um, oh, we, that's quite we often. Have, yeah. yeah, correct. It's, and it's interesting. We, we Initially, we probably started once a, once a fortnight, but it's just not enough. So yeah. although it does take time out of the business, we feel it's time well spent. Yeah. Um, the other thing we do with the junior staff is probably not as often as once a week, but we will sit down with them and go through their patient list and discuss mm. difficult cases. Yeah. Because I think that one of the advantages of having a clinic where there are a lot of physios around is that it's very easy to get a fresh set of eyes on something. Mm. And sometimes it's just something you haven't thought of mm. that someone else comes up with a good answer yeah yeah and uh we might have people listening who who i don't know their children are considering you know a sort of career in physiotherapy what's the path like is it is it a tough uh industry to get jobs in at the moment uh you know uh, uh, do you see young graduates coming through often and and what do you think the path is like for them no we do i think it's a fantastic job it's, it's a, as far as having to get up in the morning every day and go to something, I mm. think it's a fantastic thing. It's very varied. Um, you get to deal with lots of different people, lots of different injuries. No two are the same. Mm. I think that there is all, there's always scope for work within physio. And mm-hmm. I think that we will often, when we're trying to employ people, there have been times when we've really struggled to find people, mm. not because we can't find good candidates, but just because we can't find any candidates. Mm. Um, so I think that there's certainly not um, an, an overabundance of physiotherapists. Mm. I think that if you want to be a physiotherapist, you need to be physically strong and mm. you need to be quite passionate about exercise and moving mm. and activity. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it just doesn't work if you are... If you're a lazier person or a person who's not interested in sport and activity, it's Mm. very hard to then motivate people that perhaps don't like doing activity to do activity. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, the other really important aspect of any business is the marketing or, you know, probably even before that, the things that make businesses most value is is getting repeat business, right? That, That really creates business value. But in some ways, if you do your job really well, uh, you know, you help heal people and they don't necessarily come back. Is that is that a bit of a challenge, sort of just to make sure that you're – how do you get sort of regular repeat business? Is it really just by referrals? It's probably our biggest source of referrals is word of mouth, is previous patients. Yeah. Um, but I think that – I don't think people are silly in that if – if you are trying to get them back for the sake of getting them back, I think they see straight through it. Mm. I think that what we pride ourselves on is giving very good service to the patient from the perspective of doing those extra things, going over and above. Um, An example is I once had a, a, a boy brought in to me who'd sprained his ankle playing football and in the way, while it, when he came in, 
you could see straight away that his ankle was probably not sprained it was broken it was mm. it was almost getting bigger before our eyes yeah so what we said to the mum was look this guy he doesn't need physio we need to organize an x-ray and it was it was late on a friday i think mm. and i think we called the radiology place nearby and they waited for them and they got an x-ray mm. and it was broken and then we followed up with them and mm. from there we saw the boy for his rehab and then we saw the mum and then we saw another child yeah. and then we saw yeah. a neighbour. And I think that making that effort of of making everyone feel that they are important and mm. they are significant and we will exceed what their expectations is is mm. probably where we try to go. And is it is it one of those uh, businesses that really it's about location? Like will pretty much all your patients come from that location? Yes, to some extent. I, th I think within the general geographic area, I would say yes. But I think that there are certainly um, examples where people have driven past a number of other physios to come to us because they've been advised by a specialist or by a yeah. friend that this is the person you need to see yeah. for that problem. Yeah. Um, with regards to the marketing, I, I I don't see that there is enormous value in lots of widespread cold marketing. Mm. Um, we, the marketing that we do, we try to target it to the local area and mm -hmm. to people that is that are appropriate. So, mm. for example, at the start of the winter sports season, we run a sports trainers night for the local clubs mm. um, where we teach them a little bit about early injury management, a little bit about head injuries, and then we have... Um, a strapping evening basically so mm. we teach them how to strap a knee an ankle and a finger and thumb and is that with like all the players it's usually or? with parents parents yeah. coaches and trainers yeah. um it's a free evening mm. we get it sponsored by um Beersdorf, which is where we buy our tape from mm. so it doesn't cost us anything but but our time um but this year we had 60 people come wow. to it. and what's nice about it is it's 60 people that are all interested in sport all involved with sport mm. And now this gives us an opportunity, opportunity to to talk to them in a meaningful way, so that they can say, "Oh, those guys seem to yeah. know what they're talking about," and, and they're likely to a portion of them to have injuries during the well, year. It, it's incredible. Like the the night finishes, and the number of people hanging around wanting to pick our brains, which yeah. <laughs> which we actually love. Like people people say, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I don't want to bother you." And all of us, are, I mean, we we love talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's. It's why we do the job, I yeah. guess. And what about um, from other sort of professionals? Is that something that you try and nurture as well? Getting yeah. So, so we, you know, we, we like to build, we try to build good relationships with GPs and with, um, with surgeons, um, mm -hmm. particularly orthopedic and um, neurosurgeons, um, with podiatrists. I think with um, more and more we're building relationships with personal trainers. I think mm. people, it's funny, like some people are very sedentary and some people are really taking the stay physical to the nth degree mm. um but we we feel that the personal trainers are in quite a good position mm. to be able to uh, you know advise people on staying fit and healthy and when people are injured and it can be quite frustrating so if they have a good place to go to get people moving mm. again to get back to the personal trainer that's what we try to do mm. in that situation and we've had we've done talks for for personal trainers but for their clients mm. um, about different injuries and 
that that's usually a nice is, is way it, to go. Is uh, people getting injured in gym, is that common? Because they've got all the advent of these 24-7 gyms. I think it is uh, common. I, th- I think that we like the personal trainers, particularly the ones that we tend to deal with because they all, they're all they all reasonably sensible. Mm. Um, I think the issue is more people that are unsupervised or they go with their mates and everyone's trying to beat each other mm. in how much they can lift. Um, but I think that... I, I think that the, the the idea is correct. Like I think it's important that people are trying to stay as as strong as possible. But I think mm. that sometimes you need to be be sensible or, or slow yeah. it down a bit. Yeah. Is there any other sort of marketing you do? You, do you do any sort of I don't know SEO web stuff or anything like that, or is it? Um, we will again. We're trying to do a bit more targeted stuff on on Facebook and yeah. on the um, on our website. Um, yeah. Facebook seems to be getting harder and harder, particularly for. Uh, for businesses, it's just very difficult to get much traction in it. They've, yeah. they've changed the way they do it. I think I think our and maybe maybe I'm naive about it, but I think that what we try to do with our Facebook thing is just to have a presence. Yeah, like just to be, you know, we've put up interesting things that we, you know, physio related that we think are interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that it's you just, just need about to be being on there. there. Yeah, Correct. exactly. Without putting too much time. So then I guess the other issue related to what we we're talking before about staff is also. You know, the processes in the uh, in the practice as well, just to make sure I suppose everything comes smoothly from onboarding a person, treating them, billing them, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, is there much sort of technology or you know software that you need to use in a in a physio practice to make it work smoothly? Well, we we used paper notes for a long time, and we looked for a digital version for a long time before we found a good one, and mm-hmm. we have found a good one. Yeah. Um, if anyone's interested, it's called eNote File. Yeah. Um, it's good because it is separate to our diary. So, mm-hmm. and and it's 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 we use a Surface Pro tablet, and we can write with a pen or we can type. Um, everything gets saved on the device and backed up on the computer and backed up on the cloud. Mm-hmm. So, files never get lost. Even if there was some catastrophic event, we'd still yeah. have all the files. And if I see a patient and then someone else sees a patient, they've all got access to my notes. Mm-hmm. And that's been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, we there's not not a lot of technology. Like it really no. comes down to just getting people to move and getting them strong. And you need much in the way of administration staff? We do. I think you need to be big enough to have that and I think mm. it makes an enormous difference mm. having good administration staff. Mm. I think one thing in particular is people often come into the physio feeling a bit sore, not yep. feeling so happy. And yeah. when they get a, a happy face at the at the desk and they yep. remember their name, yep. I think it speaks volumes. Yeah. Um, and I think our reception staff are particularly good at that. Um, and I think that our our support staff, well, our practice manager is particularly good at chasing up um, outstanding accounts mm-hmm. from insurance companies. Mm-hmm. I often hear her telling them, no, that's not your policy. Your policy is this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that, yeah, she runs a very, very tight ship, yeah. so we don't have to. I, th- yeah. I think that's important. So what do you think are the biggest challenges in running a, running the practice? I think the biggest challenge is getting good people and keeping them. Yeah. I think that that's our, our bread and butter is, is relationships. Mm. And I think that once you get, you know, you, we put a lot of time into our people and we like to keep them. So we, mm. we do our best to, to keep them and make the workplace as, 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 as happy and mm. And and I guess you know w- one of the typical frustrations people have is that you've you you know you bring someone on you train them all the way up and then they leave. 
you know, I think as you get into a bigger business, you've just got to, in a way, just cope with that as being just part of the way things go. Correct. And uh, I think that, you know, it's frustrating if you lose them after a year, but mm. if, you've, if you've had a few years out of them and mm. then... To be honest, if they go on and do good things, I'm kind of happy that we've, you know, we, we're spreading good management of injuries. Yeah. So I think that you're right. It, it's a frustration, but I don't think there's much you can do other than make your workplace as good as possible. Mm-hmm. And just on that, I know I'm going backwards a little bit, but when people get, do people generally get referred to the practice or they get referred to an individual practitioner? Both. Um, they're there's a lot of both um, and if someone is referred to the individual person we do our best for them to see that person yeah. but if there are other constraints like time or they mm. need to be seen on that day and that person doesn't have then we'll give the patient the option yeah um, sometimes they may see someone else first but then go and see the one they were referred to or mm-hmm. or, the, or if they were referred to that person and they're happy seeing someone else but the, the, the person they were referred to might still be involved with their kid. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's part of the really important thing of having people feel that when they're coming to the practice, they're going to get the same kind of Correct. service regardless of who they go to. Yeah. That's the real challenge. And I think that, that that doesn't just happen by hoping it happens. I think no. that we've found out that it, it takes a significant amount of effort, and but I think the effort is worth it. Mm. Okay. Well, look, we're going to take a, a very short break, and then I'm going to come back to you uh, with your uh, three tips for maintaining health. Okay. We're speaking to Jonathan Bell, uh, physiotherapist and director of Nary Warren uh, Physiotherapy and Sports Injury Group. Now, we're getting towards the end, Jonathan, but the uh, the last question I always ask our guests is for their three top tips. So for you, it seems to me that the best three tips is three tips for maintaining physical health. Right. So um, we've already talked about one, so that I'll, I'll, just, I'll use that one first. And I think that that first one was just not sitting too long. I think that, that that's, I was saying to you earlier, that study that looked at the relationship between sitting too long and early death is a bit of a mind-blowing study because it was so large and the the interesting part that exercise doesn't seem to have any sort of mitigating effect on it. Mm. So I think that if you make an effort to not sit for more than 90 minutes without getting up and doing something, I think that's a pretty good start. Yep. Um, the second tip would be that good habits are much better than good willpower. So... <laughs> <laughs> find find some sort of exercise that you like, make a time, lock it in, make it not negotiable, even if it's only one day a week. Because yeah. if you can do that one day a week for the whole year, that's 52 times you're going to do it. Mm. So I think that it's important to find a way to make exercise or activity part of your life and that your kids see that it's an important part of your mm. life. And the third one is, is is based from a book I read recently called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker and it's try and get eight hours of sleep as often Mm. as you can Mm. because this book blew my mind. The number of bad consequences of not sleeping enough are significant. Mm. So from the perspective of everything from your heart to concentration to memory to pain to things like cancer and death, Mm. it's all in there and it seems that getting enough sleep a night seems to be the the cure all for all of them all right gentlemen well thank you very much for joining us today it was great to hear about uh not only uh keeping fit and healthy but also about the business of physiotherapy uh so we really enjoyed having you thanks okay now it is time for my propeller head of the week propeller head of the week 
Now, my propeller head of the week this week is about an app that I use called Rev.com for recording file notes. Now, traditionally, I think doctors and dentists and all those have been really good at dictation. Sometimes in our other professional services, we haven't been as good. But since I've started using this Rev.com app, uh, after any client meeting, I'll do a, uh, I'll dictate something into the app on my phone. It gets sent off uh, for one US dollar a minute. It gets transcribed and is back in my inbox within about 30 minutes maximum. Really, really effective and super accurate. Now, I know there's lots of other apps that can do this, like Drag and Direct, which are all automated. There is, in fact, uh, Rev.com has got another sister company called Temi, which is basically automated. I have to say, I have stuck with Rev.com, even though it's an in person doing it and it's a bit more expensive, just because it's incredibly accurate and it saves me a huge amount of time not having to read over it all. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's it for the show today. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, please go to our iTunes account to uh, and search the Finance Hour and leave us a review or listen to any of the previous podcasts. Uh, otherwise, we will see you again next week.